Welcome to Listen and Repeat. It's Anika, and I'm back with another story. So this time, I've decided to read the book, Peter and Wendy by J.M. Barry. I am going to leave the um, link for the story in the description box, just in case you want to read along with me. And also, if you want to read for yourself, and when you come across words that you don't understand what they mean, you can uh, look them up, of course, to see what they mean. And I may have like a, another section where we talk about each word and what the word means. I may decide to do that. I'm not sure, but I will leave the link of the book in the description box so you can read along. If you like my content, don't forget to support me by subscribing and sharing my content. Of course, don't worry, this book is a part of the public domain. What does that mean? Where here in the U.S., if it's a part of the public domain, that means we are free to read from it and use it as we wish. Um, so um, that is why I'm going to be reading this book to you. If you've seen the movie Peter Pan, then this is the book that um, this story comes from and, of course, the movie. So it seems like it's going to be a very interesting and exciting story. So I hope that you will join me um, and listen and read along. Let's get started. Chapter 1. Peter Breaks Through All children except one grow up. They soon know that they will grow up, and the way Wendy knew was this. One day when she was two years old, she was playing in a garden, and she plucked another flower and ran with it to her mother. I suppose she must have looked rather delightful, for Miss Darling put her hand to her heart and cried, Oh, why can't you remain like this forever? This was all that passed between them on the subject, but henceforth Wendy knew that she must grow up. You always know after you are two. Two is the beginning of the end. Of course, they lived at 14, and until Wendy came, her mother was the chief one. She was a lovely lady with a romantic mind and such a sweet mocking mouth. Her romantic mind was like a tiny like the tiny boxes, one within the other, and that come from the puzzling east. However, many of you discovered there is always one more, and her sweet mocking mouth had one kiss on it that Wendy could never get, though there it was perfectly conspicuous in the right-hand corner. The way Mr. Darling won her was this. The many gentlemen who had been boys when she was a girl discovered simultaneously that they loved her and they all ran to her house to propose to her except Mr. Darling who took a cab and nipped in the 
in first. And so he got her. He got all of her except the innermost box and the kiss. He never knew about the box. And in time, he gave up trying for the kiss. Wendy thought Napoleon could have got it. But I can picture him trying and then going off in a passion slamming the door. Mr. Darling used to boast to Wendy that her mother not only loved him but respected him and he was one of those deep ones who know how to, uh, who know about stocks and shares and of course no one really knows but he quite seemed to know and he often said stocks were up and shares were down in a way that would have made any woman respect him miss darling was married in white and at first she kept the books perfectly almost gleefully as if it were a game not so much as a brussels sprout was missing but by and by whole cauliflowers dropped out and instead of them there were pictures of babies without faces she drew them when she should have been totting up they were miss darling's guesses wendy came first then john then michael for a week or two after wendy came it was doubtful whether they would be able to keep her as she was another mouth to feed mr darling was frightfully proud of her but he was very honorable and he sat on the edge of miss darling's bed holding her hand and calculating expenses while she looked at him imploringly she wanted to risk it come what might but that was not his way his way was with a pencil and a piece of paper and if she confused him with suggestions he had to begin at the beginning again now don't interrupt he would beg of her i have one pound 17 here and two and six at the office i can cut off my coffee at the office say 10 she's making two nine and six with your 18 and three makes three nine seven with five taunt taunt in my checkbook makes eight nine seven who is that moving eight nine seven dot and carry seven don't speak my own and the pound you lent that man who came to the door quiet chow dot and carry chow there you've done it did i say 997 yes i said 997 the question is can we try for a year on 997 of course we can george she cried but she was just prejudiced in wendy's favor and he really the grandeur character of the two remember mumps he warned her almost threateningly and off he went again mumps one pound and that is what i have to put down but 
I dare say it will be more like 30 shillings. Don't speak. Measles, one, five. German measles, half a guinea. A guinea makes two, 15, six. Don't wiggle your finger. Whooping cough, say 15 shillings and so on it went and it added up differently each time but at least Wendy just got through with mumps reduced to 12 6 and the two kinds of measles treated as one there was the same excitement over John and Michael had even a narrow narrower squeak but both were kept and soon you might have seen the three of them going in a row to Miss Fuller's kindergarten school accompanied by their nurse. Miss Darling loved to have everything just so and Mr. Darling had a passion for being exactly like his neighbors so of course they had a nurse as they were poor um, owing to the amount of milk the children drank this nurse was a prim newfoundland dog called nana who had belonged to one no one in particular until the darlings engaged her. She had always thought children important. However, the darlings had become acquainted with her in Kissington Garden, where she spent most of her spare time peeping into parameters and was much hated by careless nursemaids whom she followed to their homes and accompanied of to their mistresses. She proved to be quite a treasure of a nurse. How thorough she was at bath time and up at any moment of the night if one of her charges made the slightest cry. Of course, her kennel was in the nursery and she had a genius of knowing when a cough is a thing to have no patience with and when it needs stacking around your throat. She believed to her last day in old-fashioned remedies like rhubarb beef and made sounds of contentment over all this newfangled about germs and so on. It was a lesson in priority to see her escorting the children to school, walking sedately by their sides when they were well behaved and butting them back into line if they strayed. On John's footer days, she never once forgot his sweater and she usually carried an umbrella in her mouth in case of rain. There is a room in the basement of Miss Fuller's school where the nurses wait. They set on forms, foams, 
forms while Nana laid on the floor. But that was the only difference. They affected to ignore her as of an inferior social status to them and she despised their light talk. She resented visits to the nursery from Miss Darling's friends, but if they did come, she first wiped off Michael's pinafore and put him into the one with blue braiding and smoothed out Wendy and made a dash for John's hair. No nursery could possibly have been conducted more correctly, and Miss Darling knew it. Mr. Darling knew it. Yet, he sometimes wondered uneasily whether the neighbors talked. He had his position in the city to consider. Nana also troubled him in another way. He had sometimes a feeling that she did not admire him. I know she admires you tremendously, George, Miss Darling would assure him, and then she would sign to the children to be specially nice to father. Lovely dance followed, in which the only other servant, Liza, was sometimes allowed to join. Such a midget she looked in her long skirt and maid's cap though she had sworn when engaged that she would never see Tin again. The gaiety of those rumps, the gayest of all whose Miss Darling, who would pirouette so wildly that all you could see of her was to kiss, and then if you had dashed at her, you might have got it. There never was a simpler, happier family until the coming of Peter Pan. Miss Darling first heard of Peter when she was tidying up her children's mind. Her children's minds. It is the nightly custom of every good mother after her children are asleep to rummage in their minds and put things straight for the next morning, repacking into their proper places the many articles that have wandered during the day. If you could keep awake, but of course you can't, you would see your own mother doing this and you would find it very interesting to watch her. It is quite like tidying up drawers. You would see her on her knees, I expect, lingering humorously over some of your contents, wondering where on earth had you picked this thing up, making discovery sweet and not so sweet pressing this to her cheeks as if it were as nice as a kidding and hurriedly stowing that out of sight. And when you wake up in the morning, the naughtiness and the evil passions with which you went to bed have been folded up small and placed at the bottom of your mind. And on top, on the top, beautifully aired, are spread out your prettier thoughts ready for you to 
put on. I don't know whether you have ever seen a map of a person's mind. Doctors sometimes draws, um, draw maps of other parts of you and your own map can become intensively interesting but catch them trying to draw a map of a child's mind which is not only confused but keeps going around all the time there are zigzag lines on it just like your temperature on a card and these are probably roads in the island for the neverland is always more or less an island with astonishing splashes of color here and there and coral reefs and rackish looking rafts in the offings and savages and lonely lairs and gnomes who are mostly tailors and caves through which a river runs and princes with six elder brothers and a hut fast going to decay and one very small old lady with a hooked nose. It would be an easy map if that were all, but there is also first aid at school, religion, fathers, the round pond, needlework, murderers, hangings, um, verbs that take the dative chocolate pudding day, getting into braces, saying 99, three pence for pulling out your own tooth yourself, and so on, and either these are part of the island or they are another map showing through and it is all rather confusing especially as nothing will stand still of course the netherlands vary a good deal john's for instance had a lagoon with flaming goes flying over it at which john was shooting while michael who was very small had a flamingo with a lagoon flying over it john lived in a boat turned upside down on the sands michael in a wigwam wendy in a house of leaves deftly sewn together john had no friends michael had friends at night wendy had a pet wolf forsaken by his parents but on the whole the De- the neverlands um, have a family resemblance and if they stood still in a row you could say of them that they have each other's nose and so forth on these magic shores children at play are forever beaching their coracles we too have been there we can still hear the sound of the surf though we shall land no more of all delectable islands the netherlands is the snuggiest and the most compact not large and sprawlingly you know with tedious distances between one adventure and another but nicely cramped 
when you play at it by day with the chairs and the tablecloths, it's, it is not in the least alarming, but in the two minutes before you go to sleep, it becomes very nearly real. That is why there are night lights occasionally in her travels through her children's minds. Miss Darling found things she could not understand and of these quite the most perplexing was the word Peter. She knew of no Peter and yet he was here and there in John and Michael's minds while Wendy's began to be scrawled all over with him. The name stood out in bolder letters than any of the other words and as Miss Darling gazed she felt that it had an oddly cocky appearance. Yes, he is rather cocky, Wendy admitted with regret. Her mother had been questioning her. But who is he, my pet? He is Peter Pan, you know, mother. At first, Miss Darling did not know, but after thinking back into her childhood, she just remembered a Peter Pan who was said to live with the fairies. And there were odd stories about him as that when children died, he went part of the way with them so that they should not be frightened. She had believed in him at the time, but now that she was married and full of us of sense, she quite doubted whether there was any such person. Besides, she said to Wendy, he would be grown up by this time. Oh no, he isn't grown up, said Wendy assured her confidently, and he is just my size. She meant that he was her size in both mind and body. She didn't know how she knew it. She just knew it. Miss Darling consulted Mr. Darling, but he smiled poo-poo. Mark my words, he said. It is some nonsense Nana has been putting into their heads. Just that sort of idea a dog would have. Leave it alone and it will blow over. But it would not blow over. And soon the troublesome boy gave Miss Darling quite a shock. Children have the strangest adventures without being troubled by them. For instance, they may remember to mention a week after the event happened that when they were in the woods, they met their dead father and had a game with him. It was in this casual way that Wendy one morning made a disquieting revelation. Some leaves of a tree had been found on the nursery floor which certainly were not there when the children went to bed and Miss Darling was puzzling over them when Wendy said with a tolerant smile I do believe it was that Peter again 
Whatever do you mean, Wendy? It is so naughty of him not to wipe, Wendy said, sighing. She was a tidy child. She explained in quite a matter-of-fact way that she thought Peter sometimes came to the nursery in the night and sat at the foot of her bed and played on his pipe to her. Unfortunately, she never woke, so she didn't know how she knew. She just knew. What nonsense you talk, precious. No one can get into the house without knocking. I think he comes in by the window, she said. My love, it is three floors up. Weren't the leaves at the foot of the window, mother? It was quite true. The leaves had been found very near the window. Miss Darling did not know what to think, for it all seemed so natural to Wendy that you could not dismiss it by saying she had been dreaming. My child, the mother cried, why did you not tell me of this before? I forgot, said Wendy lightly. She was in a hurry to get her breakfast. Oh, surely she must have been dreaming. But on the other hand, there were no were the leaves. Miss Darling examined them carefully. They were skeleton leaves, but she was sure they did not come from any tree that grew in England. She crawled about the floor, peering at it with a candle for marks of strange, of a strange foot. She rattled the poker up the chimney and tapped the walls. She let down a tape from the window to look to the pavement, and it was a sheer drop of 30 feet without so much as a spout to climb up by. Certainly, Wendy had been dreaming. But Wendy had not been dreaming, as the very next night showed, the night on which the extraordinary adventures of these children may be said to have begun. On the night we spoke of all the children were once more in bed. It happened to be Nana's evening off, and Miss Darling had bathed them and sung to them, till one by one they had let go her hand and slid away into the land of sleep. All were looking so safe and cozy that she smiled at her fears now and sat down tranquilly by the fire to sew. It was something for Michael who on his birthday was getting into shirts. The fire was warm and however, and the nursery dimly lit by three night lights. And presently, the sewing lay on Miss Darling's lap. Then her head nodded, oh, so gracefully, she was asleep, looked at, the four of them, Wendy and Michael.
over there, John here, and Miss Darling by the fire. There should have been a fourth nightlight. While she slept, she had a dream. She dreamt that the Netherlands had come too near and that the strange boy had broken through from it. He did not alarm her, for she thought she had seen him before in the faces of many women who have no children. Perhaps he is to be found in the faces of some mothers also, but in her dream he had rent the film that obscures the Netherlands and she saw Wendy and John and Michael peeping through the gap. The dream by itself would have been a trifle, but while she was dreaming the window of the nursery blew open and a boy did drop on the floor. He was accompanied by a strange light, no bigger than your fist which darted about the room like a living thing and I think it must have been this light that awakened Miss Darling. She started up with a cry and she saw the boy and somehow she knew at once that he was Peter Pan. If you or I or Wendy had been there we should have seen that he was very like Miss Darling's kiss. He was a lovely boy, clad in skeleton leaves and the juices that ooze out of trees. But the most entrancing thing about him was that he had all his first teeth. When he saw she was a grown-up, he snatched the little pearls at her. The end. So, this concludes the first chapter of Peter and Wendy. Of course, I'm going to leave the link below of the story. So, of course, if you want, you can read along um, with your own copy. I thank you so much for your support. This seems like this is going to be a very interesting and lovely story. If you've seen the movie Peter Pan, then you know that Peter and Wendy is actually Peter Pan. Um... And it was the book, which was made into a movie. Um, other than that, I thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to reading chapter two for you next time. Until next time, my name is Anika and I'm signing off. <music>